Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors. We're so glad that you're with us, especially if you're here with us for the very first time. If you're a guest with us, uh, brand new inside service, if you're in person or you're watching online, we're so glad that you're with us. I always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. Here's why. As I know when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. So please come back and check us out. Hopefully we can be your spiritual family. If you are watching online, will you do me a favor? Will you like, comment, share, leave a review? We'd love to just let you get involved in the chat. Hey, let us know where you're from. Tell us how you're doing and uh, hey, what you're eating for breakfast maybe while you're watching uh, church at home. And so we're so glad to be uh, with you inside of your home. Uh, today we are continuing a series called Winning the War in Your Mind. Last week we started a brand new series talking about mental health and uh, really getting to that topic. And it's a it's a, it's a dicey topic. It's kind of tough to talk about at times. And, and what I've always told people is that the church should be the safest place to talk about things like that. And so we want to um, really talk about it, see what God has to say. Uh, before I do, I just want to give you a heads up. So we started the series. We did it after a book. Um, this is not my book. I did not write this book, so I'm not selling a book. But I believe in this book. I believe in what God says inside of this book. And um, and I think that God has been, is actually uh, speaking through a lot of the scriptures that are used. This is written by a pastor in a, local, a great church in Oakland. Oklahoma, and uh, I thought it was really, really good. And so we, we, we're kind of pulling out some ideas, some concepts, some topics. We're actually doing a small group series around it. And so uh, I've been giving books away. So how many of y'all would read this book if you if I gave it to you? Would, would you read this book? All right, come on. I got you right here. You're, can we, you see, it's like the price is right. Come on, y'all got to make some noise for her. All right, you're welcome. Uh, I got one more. If you're a guest in here, if you're a guest in here for the, I'd like to give one to our one of our guests. If you're a guest, will you raise your hand? I'd love to give one this to you. you, you don't, maybe I'll bring it to you. You don't have to embarrass you. There, there you come, come here. Right, you can stay right there. I'll give it to you, How, Mr. Tony. Will you give that to her? That way, she, we don't try to embarrass our guests here. So we try to keep. Yeah, I, I hate that. So come on, give it up, give it up for her. Hey. I, can I tell you a side story? My, our staff hates this because I get off rabbit trails, but like I grew up in a church where like they, they like embarrass the guests. Like if you're a guest, stand up for the first time. You're like, I ain't want to stand up. I'm not, I'm trying to be invisible right now. So we kind of created our church around that. Like we do not embarrass guests, but I want to make sure you got something. So uh, love you. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, we are again, continuing a series called uh, Winning the War in Your Mind. And um, I want to give you a couple of ground rules before we start. Number one, um, I am not a mental health expert. So, so please just remember um, what we talk about. I'm going to be using Bible and scripture. I'm going to be using, honestly, a lot of things that I personally learned from counselors and therapists, um, from, from really, honestly, great scientific study that come about our brain that not just that don't speak against the Bible, that really confirm the Bible, if we're honest. What's so funny is so many scientists are like, we've just had groundbreaking, you know, uh, groundbreaking research that, oh my gosh, we've never heard this before, and it's actually been taught in the Bible for thousands of years, and so uh, uh, we're going to talk about that kind of stuff because the Bible, here's what I know, the Bible is true, and it's going to be amazing, but again, I'm not a mental health expert. Secondly, if you're going through something right now, whether you're watching online or you're in here and you're in a deep, dark place, do not wait to go get a mental health professional's help. Like we, you need to go and find someone and I will actually help you do that. If you go to our information center or find one of our staff members and our leaders, they will give you, we actually have a list of counselors that will get you connected to the right place at the right time because God uses people. Don't look down on counseling. Counseling is powerful. Let, I'll, get, I'll do one better for you. Your pastor is in counseling. He's been in counseling for years because I'm messed up. I need help. And so I'm just telling you, and here's what's funny is most of the people in the world, y'all are messed up too. You just don't even know it. And counselors help to show you here's where you messed up. And uh, hopefully you find a good biblical counselor that help you point you really honestly point you to God. And that's really the hope in all of this. And so last week we talked about how to encourage you. Please, all these messages kind of build on each other a little bit. Last week we talked about um, really a great truth that, that in, in order for us to be able to have a, a healthy mind, we have to be able to identify the lies that the enemy uses against us, replace them with 
with truth and then make it palatable for us to do it on a regular basis. And so I even handed out, we as a church handed out sticky notes last week. We actually custom sticky notes for you. And if you missed last week, I'm so sorry, but you had to be here. And so we handed them to you. We gave everybody sticky notes so that you can kind of write down verses or scriptures or thoughts and speak them over to your life. And we learned that our lives, come on, our lives are always moving, right? Are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts, that you and I, what we think, come on, moves us where we're going. And then we also learned that the life that we have is often a reflection of the thoughts that we think. And today, we're going to look at Dr. Paul again. This is Apostle Paul. We're using him as kind of the backdrop for the series. We're going to use Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4 to really get an idea of what Paul was. There's an important, I think, concept in mental health that you and I might miss sometimes. In order for us to think right, we got he's going to show us. He's going to show us something right now I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tease it but he's he's, he's he, there's something we got to do in order for us to think right and so Paul's writing this letter now he's writing the letter and we're gonna go to Philippians chapter 4 Philippians is a letter in the New Testament that Paul wrote to a church in Philippi now this is the first church that he planted so this church means something to him okay he planted a lot of churches this is a church that means something to him and Philippi is in a Roman providence and a province in Macedonia. This is an important city. This is a very patriotic city. This is a very Roman city. They love the, the government of Rome and they want to, they're, they're, they're really excited about that. And so he plans, he thinks, if I can get a church in this city, this, this is going to influence a lot of Roman provinces. So he's like really excited about this. And what they do is the church gets actually, um, they send, Paul, Paul, Paul gets in trouble because he's planting churches he's doing the right thing paul gets in trouble and he's in a roman prison writing this letter okay so he's awaiting execution doesn't know what's going to happen and the church sends money to him they want to bless him they send a, a messenger to bless him and this was so cool this is his response back to the blessing so he's like look i'm in prison y'all are the first church i planted i'm going to give you some words of wisdom this is kind of the context okay so philippians chapter four now this is the end of the letter all right this is the end of his letter to the church at philippi and this is important he says this. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Everybody say always. always. You ever read the Bible and it just makes you mad? <laughs> like, I can rejoice in the Lord when it's good. But Paul irritates me because he said, I have to rejoice in the Lord. Not sometimes. Not when things are good. He says, always. Like, All right, Paul take your word for it. He says, I'll say it again. Rejoice. It's like now he's now he's pushing it right now. You're making me mad. And he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. I'm like, Paul, stop. <laughs> right. You didn't live in 2021. You didn't live through 2020. Paul, you don't know what it's like to have five kids. You don't know what it's like to be in my job. You don't know what it's like to have my family. Come on. You all right. You, you all start arguing with Paul. He's like, don't be anxious, but in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, this is interesting, he, he, he uses two phrases, they sound like the same thing, but they're not. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. How many of y'all have written this down? Come on, you put it in your heart. You know, some of y'all have that as a tattoo. Come on, some of y'all are like posting that on Facebook. Some of y'all saw that as an Instagram thing, and you're like, reshare, like, and you put it all over your Facebook wall, and you're like, this is so good. And I'm like, that's so good. And then Paul keeps going, he says, finally, the last thing 
thing I'm going to tell you. He says, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is praiseworthy, think about these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And somebody said, amen, right? Yeah, you're like, that's good. And I preach great messages about that where I told you, if you're just worrying, I said, stop worrying. You don't have to worry. And all you got to do is think good thoughts. And it kind of sounds a little Disney, right? Like, just believe in your fairy godmother, and she will make it all okay. And I found that you can't do that if you don't. There's a, there's a prerequisite to this. Because, again, we're in the end of his letter. He says, there's some things about this you got to realize. And I never saw it until I read it again. I read the whole book of Philippians. It's not long. So don't, you know, it's not like, <laughs> so I read the whole Bible in one day. No, I read a book. It's four chapters. It's okay. Thank you. Uh, but I, I missed something in the first chapter that we're going to get to because you can't do chapter four till you understand chapter one. So, so before we do that, let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, I'm excited for today. I feel like you're going to speak and God, you're going to give some freedom to us. We're, we're going to walk out of here different. We're going to be, we're, the chains are going to fall, God. There's going to be healing. There's going to be transformation, not just information passing, God. There's going to be movement, God. There's going to be, today's different. Today's different. And you're going to move in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody shout amen. amen. Okay, okay, I'm going to give it to you, right? Here's a concept. The other day, about uh, a couple years ago, I was my, my boy. I grew up playing baseball. Anybody grew up, play, grew up playing baseball? It's America's pastime. I love it. Go Giants. And uh, I'm from the Bay Area. It just is what it is. And so um, y- y'all Astro fans, I get it. You know, it's all good. It's, it's cheating. But anyway, okay. So, all right, so, 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 okay. So, like, so I grew up playing baseball. I love baseball. Come on, lock back in. I'm sorry. You know, it's like, you know, Pastor, you lost me. I was with you until you said something about my team. All right, so come on. So I play baseball. I grew up one of my whole life, my son, to play baseball. And so I have five of them. I'm like, so I'm like, all right. So I did the quintessential American thing to do with your boy. I went outside with a ball and a glove and started throwing a baseball with my son, Kellen. And Kellen was playing baseball for a good majority of his life. So he knows how to play and he knows how to throw. I get the ball and I start throwing the baseball to him. And the first ball I throw, he does this. He goes, the ball's coming right at his chest and he goes like that and flies right by him. I said, son, stop messing around. You know how to catch a ball. You go, oh, and he's like, oh, sorry, Dad, sorry. So he grab the ball, and he picks it up, and throw it back over him. So grab the second ball, and I throw it back at him. He does, no, no lie, he, ball come right at him. He goes, ball flies right by him. I'm like, hey, I'm, we're playing catch, not, not throwing the ball to, to chase the ball. Like, we're not doing, that's not what we're doing. Come on, catch the ball. So, yeah, come on, Dad, you don't know how like, you get irritated. You know, like, I shouldn't have been mad, but I was mad. I'm like, you know how to catch the ball. Catch the ball. He goes, okay. Third ball comes. I throw the ball at him. Comes right at him. And instead of him moving and trying to catch the ball, the ball just nails him right in his chest. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he, he goes, he goes, he, and he was like, oh, oh. And I'm like, I'm like, bro, what happened? He runs. He, he, so he, instead of throwing the ball at me, he runs the ball to me. And I'm like, did you forget how to play catch? And he goes, no, dad. He goes, um, and he takes his glasses off. No, no, he takes his glasses off. He shows me his glasses, and there's like scratches all over his glasses. And I, he goes, he goes, I can't see. He goes, every time I see the ball, when you throw the ball, where I put my glove, I think that's where the ball is. Because my glasses are messed up. And I looked at him, I'm like, I can't, I can't see anything. So, we'll, you know, next day we went and got him 
We got him some glasses. He said, he said this. He said, I can't see right, so I can't, I can't be right. And, and Paul's funny because, and we're going to get to Paul in a minute. But what he's teaching us inside of the book of Philippians, and you have to look at this and you have to see it to see it. He said he's teaching us this principle that we learned a lot about last week about how we think and, and the lies in the end. Did you know that how we see affects how we think? Like how you see a thing, how you see something, it, it affects. If you see a certain way, you think a certain way. Y'all want to have some fun? I'm going to show you a picture real quick. I'm going to show you a couple of pictures. All right. And we're just going to look at them. And we're going to see what you see. You tell me what you see, okay? Now, don't scream it out until I'm ready for you. Y'all ready? All right, I want to see. Let's do the first picture. First picture. All right, it's an interesting picture, okay? So, now, some of y'all see the old man. Does anybody see the old man? Anybody, raise your hand if you see the old man. All right, lower your question. Does anybody see the, the lady with the, her hair? Okay, here's what's funny. It's the same picture, but y'all see it differently, you missed it. Okay, we'll go to the next one. We'll do one more. Come on. Do, 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 do. This one. This one's different. This one's, this one. I don't even like this one. Do the, do the third one. Do the third one. Do the, I don't even see it anymore. Okay, do, how many of y'all see the rabbit? Raise your hand. Y'all see the rabbit? Okay, how many of y'all see the duck? Okay, what I'm trying to tell you and try to show you is that Paul says rejoice in all things, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. But the problem is... The pro- get the duck off because he just y'all don't y'all even paying attention y'all like confused like where's the rabbit? L- listen, you, if you don't see right, right, you don't you don't think right, and we all see differently. Here's the problem: is that the filter in with which we look at, like my son's glasses, is broken. You, you have something, you have a filter of how you see life. It's made up of your past experiences, your personal beliefs, what you believe to be true, what you know has happened to you in your life, what you've read. You and I all have this, what we call a, a bias, a distorted way of believing. You grew up thinking something that was told to you your whole life. Some of you, right, some of you were, grew up around um, like really abusive women. And so for you and your life, your whole life, you have this bias to women and think like, man, there's, I got to be careful because they're going to abuse you and they're going to treat you wrong. And it's not even because of what was told to you. It was because of how you grew up. Some of you grew up with parents who always told you stuff about your life and told you all these things. Come on, mom. Didn't mom and dad always have like principles of life? And some of you, I met someone one time. She said, I grew up my whole life and my parents told me that rich people were bad and were always wanting to take advantage of me. And I said, really? And she goes, and it affects me right now because anytime I do well and I make money, I have guilt. And so I live with guilt because my parents always told me that rich people were bad. Some of you grew up in a church and the church hurt a family. It didn't even hurt your family. It hurt a family that you thought, by the way, churches don't hurt people. Not at one time has the church hurt someone. People hurt people. Come on, Come on. But the church gets a bad rap. Because what's funny about the church, what makes the church great is what makes the church sometimes hurtful, is that the church is so great that we welcome everybody in and we do our best we can, but it's full of flawed, broken people that eventually do things to people that don't, they sometimes don't mean it, sometimes they do mean it, but you grew up in a church and you saw someone get hurt, and then now you think that all church wants to do is hurt you. You could be in here, you could be watching online, and you're like, I'm just waiting for this, you're waiting for it. 
because that's how you grew up. Some of you were picked on in middle school. Y'all, some of us in here are still stuck, come on, in middle school. And you were a victim in middle school. And you live like a victim now. Maybe the worst. Some of y'all said, growing up, some of y'all were told that the Dallas Cowboys is God's team. I mean, come on, y'all living a lie, right? You grew up and someone told you something and it ain't right. I got the mic, y'all. It just is what it is. I got to bring it back up. Some of y'all thinking about your wounds and your pains. You're like, I hate this church. You're like, no, okay. Listen, you know, science calls this cognitive bias. They call it, it's scientifically known that you, and here's what they say. It's, you want to hear something fancy and mumbo jumbo, make me sound smart and, you, and, and everybody else sound like, well, what, what? Okay, because I don't even understand what it says. Uh, it's a standard consistent pattern and deviating from reality and how we see and process things. When I wrote that, when I literally wrote that in my notes, I was like, huh? You know what it is? It's a mental filter. It's a mental, it's how you see and how you don't see, and how you see affects how you're going to live, period. Moses had this problem when he sent out 12 spies. There's a story in Exodus chapter, or number chapter 13. You should go read it. I'm not going to read it for you. He sends out 12 people, and he goes, hey, go spy out the land, because we're thinking about going taking them. 12 people go out. He come back, and they bring the report. 10 people come back, and they say this. This is funny. This is funny. They literally use this words and phrase. I want to read it for you. He says, we seemed like grasshoppers, not, okay, listen, listen, this is good, in our own eyes. There's no way it's going to happen. But, but, but two people, but two people who saw the same thing in the same moment, they go, man, we see a land flowing with milk and honey. Somebody saw defeat. Come on, y'all. And then somebody saw this is going to be good. Like, this is going to be, this, this is going to be good. Facts were the same. I, don't miss this. Because y'all are like, how does this have to do with mental health? Facts were the same. They just saw it different. They, they just saw it different. So if you happen to be the person who sees things negative all the time, nobody point anybody. Don't elbow no one. Don't type their name on the chat in line, <laughs> tagging them like, you need this. This is not the series to go, you need this series. You know what I mean? We all need to be like, everybody say, I need this. Yeah, I need this series. So, 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 so he says, so you find yourself with a negative bias. How do, you, they, how do you change that? Well, science has a way to change that as well. Now, this is all Bible. But I'm just trying to, for those of you who don't even believe in God, you're like, I don't even believe in the Bible, I don't believe in God. All right, well, this is science, all right, because it's, it's also Bible. And so, so they, they sign, you can do things called cognitive reframing, cognitive reframing. And this is creating a different way of looking at the situation by changing its meaning. Now let's go back to Paul. Paul had to reframe his situation. Let's go to Philippians chapter 1, because I've been talking a lot about it, but I hadn't read it yet. This is good. Now, with that as our backdrop, that was my intro. With that as our backdrop, <laughs> let me give you the verse. He says, he says in verse 12, and I want you to know. So he's in, reminder, reminder, you're in prison. You're stuck. You don't know what you're going to do. Uh-oh. He says, I want you to know, my dear brothers, that everything that's happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in Christ and changed because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, 
Most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. He says, I'm in prison, but this is good. Do you see what he did? He says, I'm going to reframe my situation because how I see it affects how I think and how I think affects how I live and how I live is where I live. So I'm going to see this a little different. So what that begs the question then is you and I need to know how he did that. How do we do this on a regular basis? Because some of y'all are stuck in your own Roman prison. Some of y'all feel like you're waiting to die. Seriously. So I hear some of y'all talk about going to work. You're like, tomorrow's Monday. Oh, my Lord. I'm just walking that mile. That I'm just on the way into just my death. I hate this thing. This is terrible. God help me. Why did you do this to me? Lord, don't you care? You know, like we all say that. And, and if you don't look at it right, come on. If you don't see it right, we ain't going to think. Right. Three ways to cognitively reframe. Number one, you got to practice what I call uh, pre-framing positively. Okay, we talk about reframing in general, but some of us, we need to pre-frame positive. Paul, you can't write these words unless you decide before you get in the prison, how are you going to deal with the prison? You got to pre, this is a proactive, pre-decide thing that I'm going to look at my situation positively. Why is this so important? Okay, science. There's this bundle of nerves at the base of your brain system called the RAS system. And here's what's interesting about the RES system. It's how you learn and how you see things. It actually is in charge of taking everything that you look look at, hear, see, all your senses. It's in charge of filtering the information through your senses and allowing you to do something. The problem with your RES system is that it uses your bias against you. It, It filters it with the filter of your bias. It's why you all... Have you ever noticed that you tend to get what you look for? You have the RAS to thank for that. Because what happens is, if you believe you're a victim, your RAS will look for ways and reasons to confirm your victim mentality and filter out all the ways that it doesn't confirm your victim mentality. So it is both spiritual, everybody say spiritual, and scientific, everybody say scientific, because your brains are designed to to reframe and positively and negatively rewire based on how you look. So, so if you look for negative, what do you get? If you look for positive, what do you get? Yeah. I mean, can I share with you how it happened in my life? So three years ago, we're celebrating our three-year anniversary coming up. Come on. Woo-woo. Yeah, it's going to be like in two weeks. It's going to be awesome. It's like, it's our birthday. We could cry if we want to, right? You know? And so we're going we're gonna to party for three years. And, um, but before, when we, when, we, when we first moved here in 20. 17 wheels on the ground I had never had a bad day in my life I felt like and the moment I got here I battled with six months depression and I'm like found myself sitting in a waiting room of a local counselor's office said psychotherapist and I'm like psychotherapist I'm I've lost it I'm seeing a psychotherapist 
remember crying in the shower for no reason at all. I remember laying in bed with no reason to get up. There was nothing wrong. Nothing had happened to me. There were no problems. And yet I was lost. I felt like I could not be found. And in that moment, it must have been a series of things that happened right before we planted our church. My gallbladder stopped. Had to have surgery remove it. Uh, multiple people in my family were getting sick. Found out my mom had cancer again. Realized that our, our church planting journey had not gone the way that I wanted to. We, wanted, we needed 100 people. We only had like 30 people at the time because ain't nobody know anybody here. And then my son, Winston, who was eight months at the time, falls. His brother's holding him like this. His face is out. His brother's behind him. His little brother loves him to death. He's seven months old. Loves him to death. Running with him. Running with him. Running with him. Falls. Smashes his face into the ground and breaks out his two front teeth. I remember because my wife and I, we felt like something was lifting. We were sitting at the table. If I'm lying, I'm dying. But we were, we were sitting at the table in our, in our living room, in our kitchen. And we took a breath. We said, oh, we feel like things are better. They're turning up. They're looking up. Anybody ever done that? Be careful what you say, right? We feel like we're things are going to be Boom, we hear it. His teeth break out. Had to have a double root canal. Seven months, y'all. He had to go to emergency surgery, children's hospital. This is the worst. This is the worst. And something happened to where I remember before that happened, when I saw my son, I didn't see anything but a fun, loving kid who's going to have some fun. He's going to be a boy. He's going to be awesome. He's my son. To, He's going to fall. Oh, he's going to fall. He's going to fall. And, and I, thought, I thought every time he was going to walk, he was going to fall. And so what did that turn me into? Oh, oh, where's, hey, where's Winston? Where's, where's he? Where, where's he? Where's, he's, he? He's standing by himself. Somebody go help him. And the other day, we were telling the story about what happened to Winston, and I told my wife, when my wife was sitting there, we were telling the story, and I'm like, he fell like over and over and over again, and he was falling all the time, and after people left, she goes, you realize he fell twice? What's wrong with you? I go, no, he fell a lot. She goes, he fell twice. Twice. And I said, oh. I, I thought I saw, I could see him. Come on. Every time I walked into a situation, I lived like he was going to fall again. I was waiting for, I was, what was I looking for, y'all? Was I looking for him to stand and walk and be a good boy? What was I looking for? I was looking for him to fall. And you know what's so funny? He did fall in my mind. Caveat, in my mind. So I treated him like he was going to fall in my mind. And I lived like he was going to fall in my mind. Come on, y'all hear what I'm saying? You have to go. Healthy thinkers 
I lived like Winston fell a thousand times when he fell twice. I'm sorry if you're waiting for a pastor to get up here and be like, let me tell you how I do it. I got it all worked out. That ain't me. Eventually, I had to figure out through the help of, come on, counseling, my pastors, people in my life, the power of the Holy Spirit, that healthy thinkers preframe positively all the time. Let me give you one that maybe you would use on a regular basis. You're about to go to dinner with your in-laws. <laughs> and every one of us start off with, come on, guys, do we have to do this? This is going to be the worst. This is going to be the worst. This is just going to be the worst. And I noticed that if you walk and you be like, hey, this, if you say it's going to be the worst, what happens? It's going to be the worst. What if you went into that dinner going, this is going to be good? If something might happen. Your mom might call me something. Your dad might accuse me of something. Probably going to happen. But you know what? It's going to be good. Everybody just say that. Say, it's going to be good. Smile while you say it. It's better. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. You're going to have to learn to say, it's going to be good. You have a tough meeting at work? Come on, y'all say it. It's going to be, uh, you're going to take your kids to school in the long line. Uh, you're driving on the freeway on 1604. I, I got to wake up early and take my kids to baseball practice. It, I, I got to talk to my wife again about that thing she always does. It's, come on, man. It's going to be good. We're going to learn to do that. Number two, number two, it's practice reframing. Number two, control what you can. Control what you can. Now, I'm going to read you a, a different version. This is a different version of Philippians chapter one. This is the new Aaron version. Philippians chapter one. New Aaron. Some people call it the new Winers version. This is what it is. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me is not fair. I tried everything. I did everything right. And things just won't go my way. I don't deserve this. Apparently God doesn't care. So since nothing ever goes the way I want, I'm quitting small group, never going back to church. But Paul didn't say that. What Paul did say was, there's something that's happened to me. You remember say that? Something's happened to me. <laughs> or, you know, something's happened to me. And he recognized that you cannot control what happens to us, but we can control how we see it. So I'm not saying that you're going to have to go out and like, Control all of your circumstances so that things won't be bad. Have you ever noticed control is an illusion? Really wise people know you can't really control nothing. They live, they live in a sense. You know why they live in such a sense of like grace and like obliviousness? This, 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 this? You want to know why they do that? It's because they know that we don't control nothing. Well, at least you got money in the bank for now. What if the stock market crashes? What if the economy collapses? Don't act like that can't happen. We print money like it's just paper at this point. So it's like, all right, well, just you think not, that won't come back to haunt us sometime? You, 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 go look at history. Some of y'all lived the 2008 housing crisis. Y'all remember that? Remember when you, 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 you had a 401k? You remember when your job life changed? 
Y'all remember what it was like February 2020? And then March of 2020? <laughs> remember you had it all figured out in February, didn't you? You had it all figured out. Nothing was going to change. You're like, well, at least I can go to the store. At least, at least, well, at least it doesn't snow in Texas. <laughs> that should just prove to you we have no control. No control. It's an illusion. But you can control some things. And Paul says in verse 12, everything's happened to me here has helped me spread the good news. When I moved to San Antonio, let me just tell you, like when we moved here, like, I, I really, dead serious, dead serious. I really had a, a plan in my heart to plant well. And just a, just a side note, because I, I plant, uh, I help coach church planters, and, and we help churches in the area, and we just, we try to do the best we can to serve churches. Um, when I coach church planters, I always tell them, leave where you're at well. Leave where you're at. How you leave a place will be, it'll bring, it'll be how you start a place. I'm telling you, that's a good word for something. That ain't, that ain't even in my notes, that's free. And, and so, but like how you leave a place is how you start a place. And I, my heart was, I'm going to leave well. So I left our last church well. I did everything I could right. And let me just tell you, I was looking for all the ways that I could be right so that when I came to San Antonio, ain't nothing bad would happen. I just told you what happened. Control, come on, is an illusion. And I'm a control freak. We watch what I want to watch on the television. We eat what I want to eat. We go to the places that I want to go to. I have control issues. The only place I really feel like I don't have any control is in this church. Because all our staff would be like, well, let's just do what God thinks. I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> but I have control issues. And so what I realize is that I, I cannot... And one, one thing my, my counselor and my pastors both kind of unanimously told me in that season when I was going through that, that kind of depression is he said, they said this. He said, Aaron, you cannot control your way to peace. He said, you, 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 you trust your way to peace. You can't control it. Listen, look at me, look at me, look at me. You're not in control. You're not. We, we control some things, but you ain't in control. Who's, who's, who's in control? I want to remind you, because some of y'all are like, <laughs> were you, are you sure? Some of y'all are like, God? God? I think, is that? No, that's true. Who's in control? God. Who's in control? God. All right, in the chat, put God, because in case you put somewhere else, you're like, I don't know, the government. Who's in control? God. So if God's in control, let's let him be in control. And we're going to trust our way to peace. Last thing is this. And I'm done. This is, it's, going to sound, it's going to sound different. It's going to sound different. Practice dynamic gratitude. This is different, okay? Because I would teach this uh, version of Philippians 4 all the time. Like, well, if you're anxious, well, don't be anxious. Just be happy and be thankful. That's a big leap for someone who's going through something terrible. And I felt like God told me to say, he said, Aaron, read one, Philippians 1.14. So I read it. He said, because of my imprisonment. I'm like, Paul, you're messing with my theology a little bit. No, I don't, I don't like that. No. Because of my great big ministry, because of my flourishing business, because of my bank account, because my kids are all healthy. 
because my marriage is no, I have no problems in my marriage right now. Hey, because the world looks like it's going to be okay. No, he says, because of my imprisonment. Most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. And then I heard God say, read 1 Thessalonians. This is funny. So he, he says, uh, Paul writes another letter to a church in Thessalonica. And he writes this. And he says this stuff that just messes with me and messes with you. And he says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will in you, Christ Jesus. I'm like, Paul, stop. Sick of you, Paul. You don't understand. How can I be thankful for my situation? And God says, you didn't read it right. I didn't say, he said, give thanks in. In it. In it. So I'm like, okay, so then ask me a question, how do I be thankful in it? He goes, you got to be dynamic with your gratitude. You got to, this is a new game, new game. Y'all ready? When something bad happens to you, you find something to be thankful for. New game. Instead of looking for all the reasons why this situation is the worst. We're talking about if you don't care about your mental health, this is not going to be good for you. This is terrible advice. But if you want to think right, you got to see right and you got to be able to be grateful for something in the situation. And, and here's what's funny about science. It proves to you that if you can just activate gratitude, it will release all the good chemicals in your brain. The stuff that you and I go to like outside stuff for, your body can produce. So the oxytocin and the dopamine, like those are good hits you want to, that stuff comes from you finding something to be grateful for. This reminds me, I'm done. This is lady, this, this, this young girl goes, she's in college, she meets with her parents. She says, hey, I want you to know first, sit you down, I got something heavy I want to tell you. So last week, went to a party. She grabs her hands and she says, listen, made a mistake. Made a bad decision. Slept with a guy. I found out I was pregnant. And I'm in trouble. And she said, but listen, I want you to know we've worked it out. He had to go back to jail. But when he gets out of jail and through rehab, and when he finds a job and everything works out, it's gonna be okay. I want you to know, we're gonna work it out. And he's pretty sure he's the father. The parents are like, Phew. they look at each other. They don't know what to say. And before they could say their first word back to her, she says, actually, I just got a D on my chemistry test. I wanted you guys to know that it could be a whole lot worse. I'll catch you later. Stupid story. But all she was doing was helping them be grateful for something, right? Like, how many of y'all know, if you're a parent, come on, some of y'all are like, if I was a parent, oh my gosh. Oh, thank God. It's just a D on chemistry. Oh, honey, you'll be all right, you know? 
It's going to be okay. Everything's going to work out. At least you're not pregnant with some crazy person. You know, it's like, come on. And in every situation, you're going to have an opportunity to find and be practice dynamic gratitude. So like you missed a bonus at work that you were planning. Dynamic gratitude would be, oh man, thank God I have a job. It could be worse. It's kind of that, remember mama always tell you, honey, it could be worse. Well, she was really trying to get you to do the second step was going, could you, let's find some gratitude in this. You got in a car wreck. Come on, how many of y'all know that's going to be pricey? That's going to cost me money. You're going to lose time. It's gonna be, at least I didn't get hurt. Hey, at least I had a car to wreck. There's some people in the world right now. Don't act like, go sit at the bus stop for five minutes with somebody. They don't even got the option. You're fighting in your marriage. Isn't that really hard with your marriage? Isn't it really hard? Well, you've been working on your wife and you're working on your husband. And you've been like, come on, honey. Could you just do what I ask you to do for once in your life? Don't you care? Are you alive? Do you speak English? Are we on the same page? Come on, right? And and maybe in that moment, instead of looking for, come on, looking for the things that are wrong with your spouse, could you be grateful for the things that are right? I, I know. Okay, I get it. I get it. It's hard. But if you practice pre-framing, you recognize control is an illusion and practice gratitude differently. Come on, control what you can, control what you can, and you practice dynamic gratitude. God, I believe, can help us in how he's wired our own brains to have a better mental health picture. How you see it affects how you think.